Welcome back to Lobby Concessionals, the movie podcast where nobody's right and everybody's wrong. I'm Parker and that's Brendan. Uh, today, we are kind of looking at something I am going to call Dangerous Interpretation, partially because I kind of came up with that title <laughs> while we were discussing the, the topic. Uh, and I think it slaps. And so <laughs> I've I've been saying it a lot and it's going to be the title of the episode. I think it's incredible. So um, that's what we're calling it. Uh, and deal with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, basically, the thing I've always heard about art and, and about film and about, about art, let's put it that way. Art is subjective. What do you think? That, that makes sense? That's, that's fair? It has right? to be. Has to be okay. Right? Fair enough. Fair it has enough. to be. I think it, people's experiences have to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, like so. How I've always taken that, and I think how it's meant to be taken is film interpretation is subjective. Like people are going to experience a film in different ways, and so there's no one right way of looking at a, at a movie. Right. Um. And so I'm here to argue today <laughs> that that's wrong. The layup is huge. <laughs> We're laughing um, now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's not going to be. Uh, it, it's a little brutal. So, in, in particular, like, uh, okay, just to establish this. Yeah, absolutely. The, the fact is there is a wrong way. There is definitely right and wrong when it comes to interpreting a film. So, if you are someone that walks out of The Lion King and goes, oh, that's a great gangster film uh, starring Al Pacino. No, <laughs> you didn't watch the Lion King. That, those are wrong things. Like that's that's incorrect. Yeah. Um, I need to watch Lion King again. <laughs> <laughs> I watched before this just to be sure that it wasn't yeah. a gangster film starring yeah. Al Pacino. Um, so th there is wrong things. However, the the issue comes when we start looking at themes and what was the meaning and what was the intent and what was how how does the film end or what happens to those characters afterwards and those things where there's not like definitive facts again it's not like things you can list on the imdb page um that's when things become subjective and my argument is, is maybe there's th some things that aren't so as a perfect example i guess um the i've seen this meme a bunch of times on the internet on reddit whatever um it's it's starter pack. You missed the point by idolizing them starter pack, and it lists such famous characters as Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver, mm -hmm. uh, Rick from Rick and Morty, uh, Tyler Durden from Fight Club, Jordan Belfort from The Wolf of Wall Street, Don Draper from Mad Men, Walter White from Breaking Bad, Joker from the movie Joker, uh, Tony Montana from Starface, uh, Rorschach from Watchmen, Patrick Bateman from American Psycho, and Alex from A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess that's effectively the thesis I'm getting at here is that there are people that have left those films and been like, wow, Don Draper's amazing. I guess that's not a film. Um, but, <laughs> wow. You, you named 12 dudes and you picked the one guy that didn't, that didn't have anything that to do with what we're talking film. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> this people that left The Wolf of Wall Street and is like, wow, Jordan Belford is amazing. Yeah. I want to throw midgets at a dartboard yeah. and I want to, uh, like, I don't know, have sex with strippers and make a million dollars and <laughs> screw people over and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Like he is a bad person. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I guess what I'm getting at is at what point 
is no, art no longer subjective? At what point are people straight up wrong about the way a film is, about the way they are, are interpreting a film to a point where that is potentially dangerous? If you have a whole bunch of Wall Street bets bros walking out of uh, Wolf of Wall Street and saying, that's the guy I want to be, yeah. the world is actively worse. Am I wrong? No. <laughs> okay, so before we go forward, I just want to... Again, I think when we when we do bigger, uh, like heavier topics like this... Oh, this is a good point. Uh, this isn't us telling you we're right and you're wrong. Absolutely. Even though... That's the point of this episode. That there are wrong. Yeah. Right. But yeah. but at the end of the day, this is uh, this is just two two regular dudes trying to work through their own issues. Uh, or I think or, issues is a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah absolutely. You know, issues or, or problems with it. Uh, so by all means, if if this starts a conversation or you or you're sitting there being like, well, these two have no clue what they're talking about. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Definitely. It's, we we have this platform. So we can try to figure it out. Because yeah. at the end of the day, me sitting at home and absolutely dunking on Don Draper does nothing for anybody. <laughs> but if I can sit here and try to talk my way through it, maybe it does some good. Or maybe it opens maybe it opens up a conversation. Maybe it lets me see something I didn't see before. Yeah. And vice versa. But this is by no means us telling anybody how it should be done. Well, and, and on a lot of ways too, I want to open a conversation with our audience like if someone that is watching this video or uh listening to this on spotify is here's what i have to say and goes no 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 parker here's why you're wrong and explains to me that you know xyz and then that makes me feel significantly better yeah about you know someone walking out and not understanding this central point of the wolf of wall street yeah um great <laughs> like yeah. it, that's gonna make me feel better, so it's a, kind of a win-win. In, yeah, in my absolutely. Opinion, um, but you're you're absolutely right. Like there isn't a right and wrong here. Yeah. Um, uh, however, my argument is: should there be, yeah. or should there be absolutely a correct way of, for, yeah. for certain things? Yeah. Um, and in in that sense, you're not gonna get an argument from me. I I agree with you. Okay. I agree with you just to be just so that we're on the same page to start this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Um so any any thoughts on the miss the point by idolizing them? Um have you had experiences with people like this that have um you know, they're big uh Jordan Belfort guys or they're big Travis Bickle guys? Well, I mean there's all those guys you guys you named are in, I've come across one shape, way, or form, or another. I think to me the big one when when you when you when you pitch the episode, in terms of just like a broad overview. I, yep. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but when you pitch the episode, the first thing that came to mind is Alex from Clockwork Orange. Oh, okay, because that guy is, is is still like people still dress up like him. Yep, absolutely. And that guy is a monster. Yep, yeah, like that's that's nothing to 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 want to be uh, to aspire to be and even if you know i think it's one thing to want to dress up like freddy krueger or jason Voorhees, sure or anything like that but but alex is a dude that raped and killed people <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know uh and 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 never got a commitments really uh, kind of but and, and we can talk about that later in in, in terms of, of how clockwork is a little bit different from a lot of those other guys that you mentioned sure uh, but it's still one of those things where there he he's a monster that could be very real. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, and I don't know that 
Kubrick went out of his way to make you think to be like, hey, you can you can sympathize with him. I mean, yeah. again, I think, you know, fuck it, I'll just say it. The The movie is, is structured funny because he's a monster, then he gets captured, and then you kind of feel sorry for him as he's going through his, his reprogramming. Yep. Like, the movie emotionally manipulates you. Absolutely. For like a hot second. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, well, that guy's, now he's going to kind of, kind of getting his comeuppance. And then he's just, and then he's just normal again. Yeah, they they reset him. <laughs> they just reset him. Uh, so I think the you get confused as an audience, or you, he tries to confuse you as an audience to make you think about it a little bit. But uh, anybody coming out of there and being like, "Yeah, combat boots and a bowler hat—that's what I need to get next." Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know it's interesting with a Clockwork Orange in particular. Um, I I've read the uh, the book, the original book by uh, Anthony Burgess. Uh, I think, I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, came out in the 70s, I believe, or maybe 60s. Doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> um, he is a, uh, I believe it was Russian writer. Um, and so he basically just, the guy was broke. He was putting out books and he just put out a whole bunch of stuff. Like, yeah. so he was like, oh, I'm, this is my whole legacy <laughs> and puts out a whole bunch of books. For whatever reason, Clockwork Orange hits and that becomes a little bit more popular there is a publisher in the u.s that picks it up and goes oh i want to publish this but they said they wanted to remove the last chapter and at this point anthony still has no fame really yeah yeah. so he's like great someone's interested in one of my books do whatever the hell you want we need money yeah um so he says yes remove the last chapter do what you want um uh stanley kubrick Picks this book up, loves it, yeah. decides to make the film, becomes massively popular. Anthony Burgess, by extension, becomes more popular. Yeah. His books sell. He resents the fact that that last chapter was excluded. Now, interestingly, there was 21 chapters in the original book. It got cut down to 20. Anthony Burgess looks at that as like 21 is a is evenly divided by seven uh, into three. Uh, there's three acts to the to the book. Like he plotted it a very particular way, sure. and he says it's unbalanced about that last chapter. The last chapter is Alex growing up, and it's him four or five years later, effectively growing out of violence. And so it's him just being a regular dude and being like, "Man, that was crazy <laughs> when you know I like raped and murdered people yeah. in my teenage years." And effectively, the book is sort of like a bit of a um uh a, an examination of teenage rebellion. Yeah. Um, it obviously turned to 11, but um, but still, that's what the point was. And that's not what that movie shows. Um, no. And that's really the problem, is that the end of that film, it's like, yeah, he's still going to do this. Deal with it. Yeah. Like, and this, and it shows you, it's like, this is what people are like. Um, and again, you're right. If people are walking out of that film going, wow, that's dope. Yeah. I have a problem with that. Yeah. Um, my personal experience with it is with Fight Club. Um, and and this is far more personal as in, like, oh, I yeah. literally did you this. Should, you should, yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, like, I watch Fight Club as I think most people do. Or not most. That's not fair. But, like, a lot of people have watched it in their teenage years. I watched it in my teenage years. Yeah. Loved it. Um, that was right around the time I started getting a little bit more into movies. Um, and... So after probably two or three years of at my initial viewing of Fight Club, I think I had a bit of a better grasp of what the movie was about and bit better grasp of films and film themes and what they're trying to show and David Fincher in particular. And um, it's still arguably one of my favorite movies. Sure. Um, it's probably top 10. Yeah. Um, so 
the thing is, though, when I first watched Fight Club, I was like, man, this is great. These guys are punching each other. You know, like I'm like <laughs> Brad Pitt, Edward Norton. Amazing. Let's go. Like yeah. I was a total Chad for that film. And I just bought right in. But I bought right into the wrong things. Um, so, you know, in high school, I had a fight club in my mom's basement. Um, <laughs> like, we we didn't punch each other in the face. Exactly. But it was like, yeah, rib shots were fine, <laughs> you know? And so, like, I don't think anyone really walked out much with bruises. No one was bleeding. If anyone bled, it would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like. Um, but we definitely hit each other. Yeah. And, like. There was definitely elements of not holding back, but that wasn't the point of that film. Yeah. And the fact that I was able to consume that and walk away going, this is what they're trying to get me to do. Like, this is the inspiration I should be taking out of that is messed up. (laughs) Like, it's ridiculous because effectively, as far as I'm concerned anyway, and as far as I think the correct interpretation, the correct interpretation (laughs) of that film is concerned, um... The it, it is a uh, uh, it is denouncing toxic masculinity. It is effectively satire. Yeah. Um. For for overly macho men, for the feeling that you need to be ripped, you need to be getting fights, you need to like effectively everything he does is supposed to be kind of a joke. Yeah. That like this is obviously not how people are supposed to react and act in society. Yeah. Um. Uh. Uh, Chuck, Chuck Polanuk. Polanuk. God, yeah. there we go. Uh, Chuck Polanuk, the author of the uh, book, is a messed up dude. You read any of his stuff, it's all messed. Yeah, and I pretty... love it. I, I think it's a, it, his, he's a great author. But you have to know what you're getting into with him. And it's all satire. It's all yeah, yeah. supposed to be over the top to teach you something. And again, the fact that there's lots of people that are walking out of Fight Club not understanding that is crazy to me. So you you took the message of the film, or the perceived message of the film, mm-hmm. and ran with it and just and, and <laughs> took it literally. Yeah, correct. And ran with it and had a Fight Club in your basement. It's called Fight Club. <laughs> so, number one, uh, huge props for even admitting that. <laughs> and it won't be the first embarrassing story i'm assuming this podcast this episode <laughs> like it's not gonna be the first embarrassing story i've told even so far I don't think. <laughs> uh but yeah i mean you're right i i, I still I, you know i think when i run across people with like fight club posters and stuff like that it it's still very much uh super pro tyler durden stuff which is you yeah. know kind of terrifying at the end of the day if you if you are at all Familiar with the actual themes of the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's a really good example of one. Well, and it's weird, too, because uh, from a uh, from a filmmaking point of view, from a character point of view, from a story point of view, Tyler's the best character in that film. Sure. Um, but <laughs> like, <laughs> if someone's like, oh, I love Tyler Durden, what are they saying? Yeah. Are they saying they love an uh, anarchist terrorist? <laughs> um, uh, or are they saying, I loved... Brad Pitt's incredible portrayal of a insane character. Yeah, because he's not—he's not your perspective character either, right? It's not a guy Correct. that you—you—you—you you, you, you watch that movie and be like, "Oh, that's the guy. He's my window in." Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, he's not the everyman. So he is just a male fantasy. Well, and literally in the film, he's <laughs> yeah. a male fantasy. Like, and again, Spoiler. spoilers. Holy for, shit, like, dude! <laughs> a twenty-five-year-old film. Um, uh, but like, 
that is literally the point is that he is an idealized version. He is what people, what men want themselves to be. And part of the joke is no one else wants it. Yeah. You know, like (laughs) maybe other men, they look up to him. Absolutely. Um, But really in the context of the film, those other men are looking up to the narrator as Ed Norton. Who is not the idealized version? No, they're looking up to just some dude who was an office drone. Yeah, right. Like they're not seeing. They see the the charisma and the personality of yeah. Tyler, but they don't see the physical. Yeah. Um. And and yet that is still the idealized <laughs> version. You know, I always go back to this uh, scene on a bus where um uh the narrator and Tyler are standing there, <laughs> and the narrator hits Tyler and points up at a Calvin Klein ad. Yeah. And says, is that what a man's supposed to look like? And and I believe Tyler says, self-improvement is masturbation. <laughs> um, uh, and, but he's Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a god among men. Uh, and he's delivering this line with seemingly no irony. Like, how you can look at that scene yeah. and go... Wow, this is supposed to be taken straight up 100% at face value. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you, <laughs> that was a lot of good points. But so, is it is that dangerous interpretation, or is that is that are we talking baby steps into dangerous interpretation? I think we're still basically talking baby steps. Um, there is a there is a level of it. Like there is it, again. <sighs> If you're buying into some of the toxic masculinity of Fight Club, if that's what you think makes a man, yeah. I think there is some problems there. And I think that, you know, you are potentially setting yourself up a little bit for failure. However, no one just watches Fight Club and goes, this has informed my entire um, uh, concept of, of masculinity. You know, like those are obviously influenced by lots of things in your life. So yeah, if yeah. you've had um, influences that have pushed you away from toxic masculinity throughout your, your life, that one film isn't going to change that. However, again, given the fact that it was a big, it has a, it's had a huge impact on my life, and yeah, it yeah. had a big impact. Like that, that's effectively the movie that made me love movies. Um, it's probably the movie that made a lot of people love movies. Yeah, and like that's a, it's had a huge impact on me. That's scary. If that impact could also be totally wrong. What was the? Uh, what was your way out of that? What was the? What was the realization? I I don't know. I think. Um, uh, probably did was talking just, uh, to some people. Did you just um, pull a chapter twenty in twenty one and just grow old? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think some of it was just maturing. Yeah, um, and I think some of it was just me sort of thinking about it and realizing. Um, uh, yeah, being introspective. Um, what I think scares me the most about Fight Club, though, is I actually, while doing some research for this, I dug up a um, an Esquire piece um, by the one of their staff writers uh, by the name of Matt Miller. Um, I. I typically wouldn't say his name. You but made that up. No, it is. <laughs> it is. Um, and he, I, so I typically wouldn't say his name, but I'm directly quoting him here. Okay. And so if you, you know, like I want to give him some credit, yeah, I'm yeah. going to dunk on him a bit. But like, um, uh, anyway, it was in 2019. And a line he says in there is um, uh, the fear of demasculation uh-huh. that we learned from Fight Club. Okay. Uh, turned into Trump era toxic masculinity. Whoa. And just to hit that again, the fear of demasculation, which he thinks comes from Fight Club, that we that Fight Club taught us to be scared of being emasculated, has turned into Trump era toxic toxic masculinity. Again, my point is that is the point of the film. 
So even someone whose literal job is to write about movies has taken this and gone, the message from Fight Club was be scared of being demasculated. <laughs> like, which, Rolling Stone? This is Esquire. Esquire. Oh. <laughs> it's insane. And so, like, again, it's literally this dude's whole job. Life. Yeah. yeah. And and he is fundamentally misunderstanding this film, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fact that someone whose job it is to do this is missing the point, how many people are? <laughs> and so at what point is this... So that's where the so that's where the dangerous part comes in. Absolutely. Right? Now we've taken it one step further, and now he's 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 using it. He's using it in in everyday politics. Yeah. 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 Um. And so I think the next step, and the, one of the big things, the the powder keg, effectively, that set off a lot of this topic and a lot of the discussion about this between you and me, um, is Joker. Ugh. Um, yeah. <laughs> and. I have some some issues with that film. I think that Joaquin Phoenix did an incredible job as the character. Sure. Um, his acting's amazing. Um, I don't like a lot of the rest of that film. Um, I, I don't really think there's much of a reason for it to exist, personally. Yeah. Um, and I think that Todd Phillips, the director, um, didn't make a lot of great choices. My understanding was is that he took specific things from incel communities um, and fed them straight into the Joker character, but makes the Joker empathetic. He's supposed to be pathetic the whole um, uh, film. And so he's supposed to be, in, in some ways, the one you're rooting for. Yeah. But really, like the thing that happens to him, he kind of gets beat up for no reason multiple times in that movie. And so it's like, is this a different world? Like, this doesn't happen to people. Not in the way that no. it's being shown here. I you mean, know? well, I think that's what's funny about the Joker is that the dangerous interpretation is coming from Phillips himself, who has taken, who has taken the, the Travis Bickles and those things and completely missed the point. Yeah. And so he's like, I'm going to just take from the greatest movies that informed my shitty world viewpoints. <laughs> I, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, take these 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 characters I hold up on a pillar and, and, and because I love these films so much. Uh, and then I'm just going to just going to put them into my work. Yeah. Without taking into account the 30 years of social uh, evolution yeah. or the time and place that he's, uh, you know, I, I, I would is, is Joker as a, is Joker a conversation between us. If it didn't come out during the Occupy, during Me Too, during during an incel movement, uh, I don't know, right? But yeah. it, but it it so much firmly rooted in the time uh, that it's 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 fucking damn near irresponsible. Yeah, I I think I think if Joker comes out twenty or thirty years before, this wouldn't be a conversation. Yeah. Um. But enough has changed. The world has changed. People are different. Um. You know, I think uh, what's really interesting here is how um, Joker and uh, the Batman, uh, the recent Matt Reeves film, have handled their um, their villains. Yeah. Or, sorry, I guess in Joker, is he really the villain? Let's call him, we're going to call him the villain. So Joker versus the Riddler. Um, now, this there is going to be some spoilers for, for the Batman. Um, so, you know, skip ahead five or ten minutes um, and... Yeah, don't if you're really <laughs> yeah if you want to avoid these. If you're one of three people that haven't watched Batman, yet. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so, but what I think is really interesting is that the Riddler uh, in the Batman is built as an incel character, as a streamer, as a lonely uh, nerd, effectively. Yeah. Um, and it is very clear that he has a community of like-minded individuals online that he goes to. There's a uh, chilling moment of him doing a live stream. Um, and it is, it is chilling because, first of all, it's terrifying because he's talking about, um, you know, being a terrorist and setting, uh, like, bombs and, you know... Recruiting, basically. Yeah, effectively. Um, but he also just seems like... A normal dude. A normal dude. Like, yeah. every guy I've ever seen on a Twitch stream. Yeah. Hey, guys, thanks for the subs. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's... It's, it's terrifying. Holy shit, it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, but he is very clearly the bad guy. And it is very clear that, you know, even though in the main theme of the film, he is emulating Batman or he's emulating what he thinks Batman is, like the message Batman's trying to send. Um, uh, it's very clear he's got it wrong, you know? In some ways, the Riddler is a perfect metaphor for dangerous interpretation. Um, yeah. Is he has taken a message... And then interpreted wrong, yeah, and gone off the deep end. Yeah. Um, and so I think Matt Reeves handles the story very, very well in a responsible way. And then you've got Todd <laughs> Phillips who completely misses the point, yeah, and and leans into everyone should feel bad for Arthur Fleck yeah. becoming the Joker because he got beat up a couple times. Yeah, and it's not even that, right? Like at the end of the day, with the Riddler stuff, it's not like they didn't give him a backstory. He was still an orphan. He was still poor. Yeah. Uh, and you never once felt sorry for him. You understood where he came from. Totally. But you never empathized with him. And it's the same. It's the same thing, right? It's a it's a it's a poor orphan kid who was looked down his entire life uh, for being different or being weird. Yeah. And just became a, a, a psycho. Yeah. Right. But the Joker does it in such a way where it's three hours and all of a sudden you're supposed to feel for him. Yeah. And I, I'm just like, I, I don't know. We're effectively supposed to be rooting for him. And it's weird that the even like the, the, the tone of the film of Joker seems to be emulating the Occupy movement. Yeah. Um, but first of all, the Occupy movement was peaceful. Across the board. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, um, it like he's... He doesn't even really represent those people. What happened was oh, he just some, liked the attention. Some guys in suits were rude to him, or like, did they beat him up? I think they beat him up yeah. on the train, and then he decided to murder them. <laughs> like that is not a, a like they were shitty people, absolutely. Yeah. But that doesn't make that okay. <laughs> um, and he murders three of them, and is now the leader of the. The, you know, the effectively, the Gotham's Occupy movement. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and I, and they they handle it the same way again. We're gonna keep going back because the 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 similarities are are too too close together. Absolutely. But in the Riddler, it's very it's it's a small group of people. You know, they have the signs and stuff like that, but it's never once citywide and glorified the same mm. way that it is in Joker. Right? He has yeah. he has fought. Riddler has followers because. A guy that talks like that, yeah, he's gonna appeal to some people. Absolutely, right. But it's it's the one scene where Bruce is going to the funeral and he drives by and there's just a, a, a small gathering with a couple of posters. Mm -hmm. But in the Joker, it's a, it's a citywide riot. Yeah, you know. And then he's on top of the car and he's dancing and it's he's being glorified. Yeah, and that's insane to me. Well, and you mentioned that. Um uh, Joker, like that's Todd Phillips clearly took inspiration from Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
uh, Martin Scorsese films. Sure. Um, the most recent Martin Scorsese film at the time, I think, would have been Wolf of Wall Street. Um, but e either way, let's take a look at Wolf of Wall Street. And what I think is really interesting is it's very easy throughout most of that film to enjoy Jordan Belfort. And that's sure. the point. You know, like he is supposed to be maybe not likable, but fun, fun that's, to watch. The brilliance of the film is yeah. to get wrapped up in it with him. Absolutely. Right. And it's 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 a riot. Yeah. Um, it's an awesome uh, ride yeah. to, to, to watch and enjoy and be like, ah, oh, this is crazy. Um, but there is a moment that Martin Scorsese takes that story and takes that film and then twists it and it suddenly becomes incredibly dark. Um, where Jordan is suddenly running through the house, ripping up the sofa cushions, trying to find the cocaine he stored in there. Yeah, yeah. Takes a few hits, grabs his daughter, puts her in the sports car, and then reverses straight back into, I believe it's like a stone column or, or something. Or the fountain or something. Um, like, yeah. You know, a fountain. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly yeah. what it was. Um, and so it just became, became frighteningly real. Yeah. Um, and went from being, oh man, this is this is great, you know, yeah. like it's like my, my mom used to say, oh, it's all fun and games until someone loses an eye, you know, <laughs> like it's the the it was the height of it, and then suddenly someone's lost an eye, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. it's deadly serious, yeah. Um, but that doesn't happen in Joker. We don't have like I would be okay if we were empath empathized with this guy, and then he kills a dude on live TV, and it becomes very clear that he's a psychopath. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. like it's that could be the moment. Where we can be like, you know what? Screw those guys on the train. You know, like yeah. maybe it was self defense. Maybe it was whatever. Like we could maybe explain away some of those murders. No. Well, <laughs> but like the moments that we are suddenly glorifying him for killing a TV personality yeah. on live TV. Yeah. Like that was your chance, man, to turn it back around. You know, like. No, but then they can't be. Then he just kept escalating it. Absolutely. Then that's the car scene, the, the infamous car scene, and then the city riots and stuff. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. So again, I think we lean into the. Um, in the case of Todd Phillips, again, was that his point? You know, that there was there was lots of controversy when this film came out. Um, in particular, there was references in the media about the Colorado shooting yeah. um, that happened, I think, three years before. And basically, people were saying to Todd and saying to Warner Brothers, the distributor, um, uh, like, is this a responsible film to release? Yeah. Um, and they rightly said, you know, like, that wasn't our interpretation. I think that we, you know, that's not the way we don't look at this as glorifying him. And. I think that's, you know, the right move to make as a company. And as, as a, a PR creative, move. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, you can't really say, oh, no, we think he was a good guy. You know, <laughs> everyone <laughs> should go around glorifying him. But, um, and nothing happened. You know, so there was some uproar. There was some concern yeah, about, yeah, and sure. there was no, nothing happened at a Joker's ring. No one went out. And, but that doesn't, uh, yeah, and, and people are going to argue because nothing happened, that means they were right. But therefore. Uh, therefore, yeah. right. But I mean, I think Warner Brothers handled it all right. They had that, pre you just talked about the press release where we, we didn't interpret that way. I thought Phillips handled it pretty poorly because I think he came out and he was like, yeah, the Aurora, Colorado stuff was pretty bad. But it was just one guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and he said something about how that, because initially at the time the Colorado stuff was um, uh, the the media reported it as him trying to emulate the Joker. That was yeah, what yeah, the shooter yeah. was. And Phillips specifically says, "Well, he wasn't even being the Joker. That was wrong. His yeah. hair was red, not green." <laughs> 
And I'm like, man, you were missing the point, dude. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, so that, the Phillips stuff bothers me. If if Warner Brothers wanted to put that movie out and they didn't see a problem with it and they, they stood by it, that's cool. Uh, I wish Phillips would have been more articulate and maybe a little bit smarter about it as well. Because the more he said, the more irresponsible I thought he was. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, people are probably going to dunk on us for being like, it's just a movie. Nobody sees movies that way. Yeah. Obviously, people do. People do. Mr. I run fight clubs in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I think that they can be, they, they can have an impact. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying people left Joker and went, I want to murder a bunch of people on a subway. You know, yeah. like th- that's not, but I do think that there was people that walked away from that and maybe got the wrong idea, you know, or, or like maybe they, you know, they pushed them a little bit more in the wrong direction in yeah. terms of, you know, maybe he was right. Yeah. Oh, you should have done that. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's tough because if you, if you are, if you're giving, uh, fragile people and out or a reason oh, that's dangerous like that it's a it's a it's a tough thing to talk about because you don't want to say the wrong thing right but totally. at the end of the day if arthur who's the joker yeah you know is basically the joker because he gets turned down by a lady and then gets beat up and he becomes a mass murderer uh, kind of opens the door for a lot of interpretation well and, it, and like <laughs> potentially it gives people an okay i guess that's what know? i mean right like, it's like it's 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 not a pass but it 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 it, it starts a conversation yeah uh, the wrong kind of conversation yeah and i think that like I, I don't know if every movie needs to end or i don't know if every movie needs to be wolf of wall street like i i think that there's um there's a place for nihilism in films um there's a place for for there to be chaos sort of you know yeah. um but I, I I do think that when we're getting that close to something real, yeah, um, we need to be real about consequences, and we need to be sure. real about, um, like, and granted, he ends up in a um, asylum, I believe, at the end of the film, yeah. Um, so like, there's consequences there. But I also think we need to, you know, like again, the Jordan Belfort thing. It's very clear that he was on the wrong end of that, um, by, you know, like at numerous points in the film, and. Um, and I think it's, it, it's done well when you kind of root for them the whole way along and then you realize, Oh God, like, yeah. but know, are you rooting was, for Belfort? Well, that's the thing, of. right? Like, I don't know that I am. I'm enjoying the ride, but I don't know if I'm acting like, Oh yeah, you get that Steve Madden money. Yeah. <laughs> like, fair, fair. I think it's more like, I want to see him succeed because I want more of this movie. Yo, you yeah, know, okay. I want this ride to keep going. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, you know, it's the, um, I know we tend to try not to acknowledge the fact that the last season of Game of Thrones exists, but it is the Daenerys Targaryen thing too, where um, in that final season, they do it really, really poorly, but she just suddenly turns on a dime and suddenly seems to turn from a paragon of good to a paragon of evil. But effectively, the point of that story is that she was a brutal dictator the whole time. Yeah. It's just that we as an audience agreed with her up until the very end. Yeah. That we thought the people she massacred deserved it and so i think that's a really well done or not in the tv show case but like <laughs> theoretically the story can be really well done where it's like yeah i was rooting for her she was my favorite character and then making me realize that i was rooting for a tyrant hurts and that's rough and that's like oh god like all those cats and babies named daenerys yeah all oh. those years. <laughs> khaleesi or whatever yeah 
brutal man um and and, and so I, I think that's a responsible filmmaking choice is when you take a character like that and but make it clear that like I'm okay with rooting for the bad guy up in like as long as, as long as we're clear he's the bad guy I think is really what I'm getting at yeah I mean I think okay we're, we're gonna have to talk about TV for a second if you're if you're gonna talk yeah. about Daenerys so when you mentioned Don Draper earlier I mean if you're looking at Don Draper Walter White Tony Soprano sure. arguably the three pillars of 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 entertaining TV, but knowing that they're the bad guy. Yep. Right. I, I think Walter White has a little bit of that idolized idolization. Yep. Totally. But he's a terrible human. He is. Absolutely. Right. He's not your way into that show. He's not redeemable in any sense. I don't think you, I don't really think there's any really moments of redeem redeemability. There's specific things that, like, I think he has a bit of a redemption arc. Like, there's moments where it's like, oh, at least he's he. Like, I think by the very end of that series, he feels bad. He's like, he's <laughs> you know, he recognizes the fact. There's a um, spoiler for a uh, you know ten year old show, sure. um, but there's a moment where he's in the kitchen with Skyler um, in the last season, last time he sees her, and um, and up until that moment in the in the show, he basically said, everything I did, I did for my family. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, and he I'll admits to her, I didn't do it for the family. I did it for me. I did it because I was good at it, and I liked it. Um, and so they, there is a bit of a redemption there in terms of, like, he apologizes. But that's not redemption. It's, no, it's, it's still it's still done selfishly, right? He it, He's admitting it for himself. He's not assaging well, her. And even if he is doing it for her. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't take the rest of that back. He's yeah. still a bad person. Yeah. But he's a bad person that's human. And I think that's important. Yeah. The interesting thing about Walter White is that character initially in that first season is pretty lovable. Yeah. Like he's he's just a dude. He's just a just a turns you know, pretty quick. Boring old yeah. chemistry dad, you know? <laughs> and um and he's kind of adorable. Uh so I, I think the hard part that people had with that is that they they loved him there because he was pathetic. Yeah. And then when he started sort of taking initiative and and um, uh, standing up for himself, people were like, yeah, do it. Like, it's good for you, man. <laughs> and, and there was some of that. There yeah. was a few things where it's like, people are mistreating you. You deserve to do this. And then very quickly, it's like, oh, now you're making meth. You know? <laughs> like, um, and so that's not even the meth been... that's bad. You know, it's all the choices to get to the meth. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and then it's all the choices after starting <laughs> to make meth. You know, yeah. like, like he becomes a bad character. So I understand at least yeah. a little bit why people are like, well, I have okay, a hard okay. time with Walter. Yeah, the... But Tony Soprano? <laughs> the Tony Soprano stuff's great. And then Don Draper, too. And that's based purely on the strength of those performances. Absolutely. Right. And I'll have, you know, my Fight Club moment is, you know, like watching Mad Men. All I want to do is smoke and drink. <laughs> all i want to do is smoke and drink and have like a drawer full of white shirts ready to go yeah yeah um but you know i don't want to be those people no right the sopranos is my favorite tv show of all time i don't want to be tony soprano man <laughs> like <laughs> i couldn't if i if i tried even if i if i wanted to be as hard as i could i couldn't be a tenth of what that guy is capable of yeah right uh so you know you, you there's no interpretation there he's just a bad dude mm-hmm. he for he you know there's people are gonna be like oh he tries to be a good family guy no yeah it's just not yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah totally not. so i i the the idea that uh you know a director could could fumble the ball so bad yeah and with the choices that he makes and if if he outright came out and said hey i just wanted to make 
I wanted to make this movie and show you what the dangers of that could be. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All of a sudden, I've got no problem. But if you're gonna if you're gonna stand there and be like, no, I, that all that stuff you're saying is not true. It's not dangerous. I don't think of these things. Well, whatever you're putting on screen is, is showing me the complete opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. it's glorifying it. Yeah. And it's not even glorifying. I'll tell, do a quick thing too. I, it, I I'd be okay with it if the rest of the movie didn't feel so tone deaf. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's there's a sequence where he's with his social worker, and uh, it's an African American lady. Yeah. And for like a hot second, they're they're we're made to feel like they're both they're both on equal footing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of how difficult their lives are. Sure. And I'm like, oh, we missed it again, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So if, if I'd have, a, I'd have a, an easier time swallowing that movie if, if the rest of it wasn't as bad. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there, you're, you're right. Tone deaf, I think, is, is the right way of putting it. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, it, you know, and in, like to, to pivot a little bit, um, I, I, I have a hard time with a lot of the representation of the Joker. I think one of the, the better representations of him is uh, Heath Ledger's Joker in, in The Dark Knight, um, simply because it's very clear he's the bad guy. Um, but, like, let's talk about um, Suicide Squad for half a second. Do we have to? <laughs> not, not for long. <laughs> but I do think the, the Jared Leto and... Um, Jared Leto Joker and uh, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn is interesting simply because um, there was people that left that film and and romanticized their relationship and looked at the relationship between the two of them as um, like goals, you know, like uh, as romantic. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I think that's um, I think that's at least partially because of. Because the relationship was romanticized in the film. Yeah. And I have a bit of a harder time with a movie like that because it is explicitly PG-13. You know? It is definitely targeted teenagers. Yeah. Why? (laughs) Like, how hard would it have been to just not romanticize it and show that he was a dick and show that... Not just a dick, but like highly abusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The amount of... uh, What bothers me about that movie is the amount of... uh... 10-year-old to 13-year-old girls that came out of that movie afterwards and bought Daddy's Little Monster Jackets. Yeah. That fucking bothered the shit out of me. Well, it was, uh, so first of all, <laughs> the fact that those are even available for 10-year-old <laughs> girls. Like, I, obviously, you can't stop them from... Like, if there was available no. for adults, you can't stop it being bought yeah. by a 10-year-old. But, like, um, the, the fact that it would be in 10-year-old girl sizes is already a problem <laughs> from my point of view. But the other side of it is, is that you're totally right. Like, how hard would it have been to he can be abusive in that film because he is an abusive character and and their relationship is abusive yeah why do they show it like like why is any of it romantic i think it's my (laughs) issue you know like have them be abusive and then have that be the end of it yeah you know like have show us that harley is clearly head over heels still for this guy you can do it but it's also possible to show us that she is delusional. Yeah, you know, like the. I mean, at the end of the day, we're 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 gonna, it, you know, we it's movies we're talking about, but the Joker as a character is ex- extremely problematic. Always yeah. has been. Oh, you know, not always has been since the Killing Joke. Yep. You know, and the Killing Joke. But at the end of the day, 
you can like the Joker. He, obviously, he there's aesthetically and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, he's he's still a mass murderer and a rapist. Yep. And a, and a bit of a monster himself, right? Like, so Absolutely. where where are we glorifying that? Like, or why? I mean, we keep coming back to it, and maybe that's why the Ledger stuff. There's a simplicity to it. Totally. There's no there's no backstory. Uh, he he's a killer. Yep. Uh, but it's it it's kind of like that's it. Oh, and not, I'm not saying that that makes sure. it better, but there's no hidden messages with him. Yeah, you know, uh, it's 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 fun in games, and that's what makes him dangerous, and that's what makes him scary. Yeah, I don't need, I don't need for him to do horrific things to know that he's horrific. Yeah, well, and he does do horrific things. Yeah, the yeah, nice you, thing with the the Dark Knight is a lot of those horrific things are are implied. Yeah, like I love one of the. Um, uh, there's a scene. I think it's only the third or fourth scene with the Joker, um, and he takes over one of the street gangs, basically. Um, oh, the knife? Uh, maybe. But he, well, like he takes over the street gang, kills the leader, and then he's like, "We have, luckily for you, one our sp- enterprise is growing. Is growing. Yeah, but we only have one spot." And he takes a pool cue. Oh yeah, that's right. Snaps it in half. Chucks down the one, like the sharp end yeah. between the two guys yeah. and says, like, and then walks off. You don't see them, but you know they fought to the death. You see them lunge for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it. And it cuts. And I think that's brilliant. And some of the implied violence, I'm not saying we, yeah. we can't have violence in films. I think violence can yeah. be very important to show. Um, uh, but, I, but I agree. There's a simplicity to it. We see or we, we know that he's brutal. Yeah. Um, but we don't necessarily need to see it for him yeah. to know that and he's And I, I also don't need to... I, with that character specifically, I I don't need to relate to him. Yeah, and that's and it feels like a constant thing with people trying to give me a backstory and reasons why I should care about the Joker. I already care about the Joker because I think he's one of the greatest villains of all time. Yeah, but I don't need to know that he's a rapist. I don't need to know that he's uh, emotionally manipulative and totally. abusive, uh, possessive, uh, bad with women. Like I just need to know that he likes laughing fish and he likes to kill things. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because we've had um, now three Spider-Man uh, iterations on the on the big screen, mm-hmm. and by the third, everyone knew the origin story, so they skipped it. Yeah, why do we feel like we have to rehash it with Joker? You know, like we've seen this character on screen. Yeah, that's because we're still chasing Heath, unfortunately. Well, but like, how many times have we seen the Joker on screen? Like we've seen him in the original Batman, the the um, the sixties uh, Caesar Romero version. Yeah, yeah, Caesar Romero. We see him again with Nicholson. Yeah. Um, we see him again with Heath, again with Jared Leto. Uh, and now Barry Kogan. Kogan. Co- yeah, Keegan? we'll go with Kogan. Kogan. Yeah, it's like um, an and O, and that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, and so, like, he's been on screen, argue, probably more than most superheroes. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if it's because as we keep trying to keep putting out darker, gritty Batmans, that his rogues gallery doesn't allow for a lot of movement. Yeah. You're you know, not, really not a lot of have clay a... faces and Mr. Freezes. And, <laughs> yeah, and... you're not going to have a kite man and a, and a gritty, gritty like a condiment world. man, a condiment yeah. king. Like, condiment I <laughs> like, give me that. Um. Yeah, I so I don't know. I I think it's it's foolish. 
Well, um, it's tough too because again, we we keep having to escalate it, right? Like we're we're gonna have to take this character, we're gonna have to reinvent him to make him interesting again because I, you know, the standard has been set. Yeah. So we're gonna have to make him more brutal. We have to make him, or at least we have to keep people interested. So we have to tell a backstory, or we have to we have to make him do even more horrific things. Yeah. To try to keep because there's a an expectation. So the, this bar keeps getting raised. This invisible bar. That doesn't need to be going anywhere. Doesn't need to be anywhere. Yeah. But. Well, and you mentioned the Killing Joke, and actually, while I was doing some research for this, I had uh, read about the Killing Joke, mm-hmm. and it became it's a defining Joker comic. It yeah. is a, uh, a you know a big take on the character, and it's Alan Moore, um, famous crazy bearded comic book writer, <laughs> um, and he writes this story uh, brutally. Um, he they paralyze uh, Barbara. Um, the Joker, you know, there's the implication that he raped her. Um, and then he... Uh, I, and basically the whole point of the story is is that he's on... One bad day effectively separates him from Batman. That Like, it's... it's the They're two sides of the same coin, sure. effectively. Um, and interestingly... Again, Alan Moore is historically never really talked about his work. He's uh, kind of a crazy man. He hates when people adapt his work. He has gone on the record and yeah. saying that he wished he hadn't. Yeah, he is. The, he's joke. apologized for the killing joke, um, and that is shocking to me uh, because that man, first of all, seems like he would apologize for nothing ever, um, <laughs> and like, he hasn't. This is it. Yeah, like <laughs> I straight up think if I saw Alan Moore on the street and he and he peed on my leg. Uh, he'd be like, "This is your fault," and then walk away. You know, like he'd be like, "You're welcome." Yeah, <laughs> like he's not a man that apologizes, no. and I think that's really interesting, um, and and shows that you know maybe we've gone too far with this character. Yeah. Now, sort of to, to not quite to wrap up, but like last point I want to make. Yeah. Um. There was another uh, uh, while I was doing research. Uh, another critic uh that she's actually the critic for vox her name is uh uh emily vanderwerf okay um i got a pulled a quote from her uh and i believe it was for nope can't remember the movie anyway doesn't matter perfect (laughs) um but the quote was uh if filmmakers are expected to constantly answer for the worst things their audiences might ever think no art of value would ever get made and i think that's the problem is that at the end of the day I have issue. I take issue with how Todd Phillips decided to make Joker and and some of the themes he puts in there and and what he's targeting. But at the same time, I don't have an alternative. Like I, I'm I'm not saying that that movie should be banned, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't have been allowed to make it. Yeah. Um. Because as much as I think that there is, people need to be responsible with the art they create and responsible with the stories they tell. I also can't. And like and refuse to sit here and say we aren't allowed to make these types of films. Yeah, you know, like how do I know what is the difference between Taxi Driver and Joker? And how do I know? You know, there's so many people and so many things involved in making a movie. Where is that line going to be? And granted, I truly do think Todd Phillips took made did some things that were like, yeah, you probably made the wrong choice here, man. Yeah. Um, but who knows? What if it did come out and was subtle and it was interesting and it was, you know, it, it nailed the nuances properly? Like, uh, man, I mean, that's such a tough thing, too, right? But if we go back to 
the idea of Fight Club versus the Joker, and we're talking about interpretation. If I, if I, if we sat down and had a conversation with Fincher and Palahniuk, yeah, about it, uh, about our interpretations of it, they would, they would correct us. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if we, you know, and if, but if we sat down with Phillips and had the same problem, same conversation, he would get defensive. Like he would, yeah. You know, he he's not apologizing for for doing it, but he's also not accepting that he's done anything wrong, right? Or and or, you know, it's tough because again, that line is, the line is maybe we've interpreted wrong, but he hasn't come out and said that either. He's made that movie exactly the way we've seen it, but sure. he doesn't he doesn't see it that way. Or I don't even know if it's see or if it's meant to be that way, but it feels like it's a it's a it's a weird acceptance of, of no, you just, you have to deal with, that's the movie I put out. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to open to having a conversation be like, well, no, these are, these are the things that I put in place in the movie, uh, Fincher for Fight Club. These are yeah. the things that, I put, this is what it was supposed to represent. Yeah. But Phillips hasn't gone out of his way to talk about any of that stuff. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I guess he's not exactly making it easier for people that have looked at it and interpreted it as you are glorifying this person. Yeah. Um, it's not like he said, hold on, X, Y, Z are the reasons I'm not doing that. Yeah, he yeah. just said, no, I'm not. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. Like, it would be like, oh, hey, man, Tyler Durden is the best. That's who I want to be when I grow up. Venture would be like, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if we went to Phillips and be like, oh, the Joker is such a cool character, he'd be like, yeah, man, he's the raddest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is what the feel is. And I don't know if that's purposeful or if he's just bad at at media. Yeah, <laughs> it could be that. It, it could, could be, be that. that. Yeah, um, and, and that's a great point. And I, I, I think that's um, it, like this quote. I think is still correct. But the the, the point it's the nuance that's missing there that you yeah. just pointed out is the fact that um, we're not expecting Todd Phillips to answer for the actions that the people have taken. No, but we are expecting the answer for it why is. did you create the art the way you created it? yeah like you know? if 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 that i mean i think i appreciate the the quote a little bit because again if it opens up a conversation you absolutely know, if it opens up and it doesn't have to be serious either right like we talked earlier in our one of our episodes about scorsese and the mcu and he continues to be okay trying to field that question yeah absolutely he, you know because it opens up a conversation and yeah. he and he stuck his foot in his mouth whether he meant to or not and people took it out of context, so he's still answering for it, but he's willing to have the conversation. It just feels like as long as as long as the creator is willing to have a conversation about what he put out, then I'm cool with it, even whether yeah. I, I whether I agree with the art of it or not. Yeah, it's, that's that's a good point. Um, I I don't know, and uh, like uh, the point of this this conversation wasn't to reach an answer, and I don't know, and we definitely haven't. Like there isn't a no. Right or wrong, and we could have the same conversation thirty years from now. Absolutely, we could. Yeah, I I don't think this is a problem that necessarily goes away. Um, But I I do think at the end of the day, it's important that people are um, responsible with with the art they create, and 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 I think they should be aware of the the messages they're putting out there. You know, I I I can't get over the fact that it feels to me that um, some of what, and I'm picking on we're picking on Todd Phillips, but. there's plenty of directors that I feel like just want to be edgy. Um, and I'm like, but why? You know, like, <laughs> there, there needs to be a reason. There was two films that actually came to mind. Um, 
there's an infamous film I've only read about on Wikipedia called the Serbian film. Oh that my is, god! Yeah, like <laughs> filled with horrible, horrible things. Just mortifying. Yeah, and it is. It doesn't make sense to me why it exists, and so I think that that's important that the creator of that film and those involved are asked those questions of why did you make this? Who yeah. did you think? You know, and the other one is uh, Sallow or the 120 Days of Sodom. Same deal. Yeah. Um, I believe it features a scene with like uh, people literally eating human feces. Um, and it's like obviously not real, but like yeah. it's supposed to be and it's a torture film effectively. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I don't get it. You know, it, it, it just <laughs> doesn't – it's not scratching an itch. It's not doing anything. Yeah, and it, it might for some people, but now we're – now that's – is that that's the dangerous part? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, just because, just because there's an itch there doesn't mean it deserves. It should be scratched. Yeah. I guess is the thing. You know, like if if we as a society decided that uh, certain things shouldn't be so shown, like uh, snuff films shouldn't be shown. Yeah. You know, like that. Clearly, there was definitely people that would scratch an itch for. But we've made a decision <laughs> yeah. that shouldn't exist. But yeah, be responsible for it, right? At the end yeah. of the, at the end of the day, yeah, I'll dunk on him again. If if Todd Phillips wasn't trying so hard to not be the Hangover guy, you know, like that's what that movie feels like to me. It's like I'm I can be more than just the Hangover guy. And and uh, and and but you have to understand the the platform that you have, especially at that scale. A Joker yeah. movie at Warner Brothers is going to put a certain amount of eyes on your product. So there has to be, at least on my in my eyes, there has to be some kind of a responsibility, uh, whether to to put out a responsible film or at least to be able to have a, con- a responsible conversation about it afterwards. Yeah. And he's done neither of those things. Yeah, and I think to wrap that up and to you know close off my arguments <laughs> here, um, I actually just read a book very recently uh, by John Green, uh, The Fault in Our Stars Die. Yeah. Um, and it was like a collection of essays, basically. But he, a quote from there um, that I think is poignant uh, for what you just said was, um, uh, if you have a microphone, it matters, or what you say matters, even if it's a joke. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, he's done a platform. He's putting messages out there. Why, why put out that message, you yeah. know? Anything more to add? No, if we keep talking, I'm just going to dunk on this dude for yeah, three yeah, hours. Because that's, totally. that's, um, that's a horseshit movie. Let us know, <laughs> let us know in the comments um, if if you think we messed up. Uh, if you have more to add to the discussion. And I know there's going to be Joker supporters out there, so just give it to us. And and that's fine. Yeah, you know, like, I, that's I, what we knew. We knew. Absolutely. Um, you know, I we both have issues with that film, but uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad film. Uh, or that there is no good things in that film. Um, but yeah, let us know in the comments. Uh, tell us if there's other movies we missed. Or tell us if we're totally off base. Uh, we're happy to hear your input. Yeah, tell us to turn off our brains and watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I could probably take that advice more often. 